Wolverines.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath at Arbor as Navarre gets set. Places down. Kick is up. It's long enough. It's good. It's good. Michigan wins the game. Michigan. What are you afraid of? Sharks. Deep water. Thunder. Candied fruit. Gravity. Midgets with candles. Commercial radio. Start to work through your fears by pledging your support to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Please call 734-763-3500. Or online at wcbn.org slash donate. Operators are standing by to assist you in making the first step in coping with your fears. Brutal on target. Uh... Well, brutal on target. That is a good synopsis of Gray Matters, the show you are currently listening to here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And of course, those words also apply to uh, the legendary Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift, a scathing work of satire that, uh, although much of its content is, of course, specific to his own historical era. Uh, much of this book is uh, shockingly irrelevant today. Yeah, and it's ironic that just a couple of weeks ago I, I was sarcastically mentioning to somebody after the turmoil in the Middle East sort of was in the uh, Egyptian phase, not the Libyan phase, or the Bahrainian phase, which uh, is in the news today because apparently Saudi Arabia has... Dispatch troops to Bahrain, which is going to complicate things further in the Middle East. I said, I don't know about you, but it seems like the world is coming apart. And, of course, this weekend it literally has come apart. Uh, There was a massive earthquake in New Zealand just a couple of uh, weeks ago. I'm sure these events are geologically connected somehow. Uh, And, of course, we're talking about the Japanese situation I was checking my uh, reliable world almanac for some of the most uh, devastating earthquakes in uh, recorded history. And, of course, uh, the instrumentation um, didn't really exist uh, until several decades ago. So we really only have estimates from some earlier earthquakes. But uh, the biggest uh, earthquake of all time recorded is uh, occurred in southern Chile, 9.5 on... uh, the 20, let's see, the 21st of May, 1960, and this came a couple of weeks, or shall we say, two and a half months after one in Mexico that was 8.8, which is very similar to this earthquake. And of course, what killed people here in the Japanese earthquake uh, was the tsunami. So this is very analogous to the situation with Katrina, only in my opinion, the situation is about 20 to 50 times worse. So when the Japanese government says this is the worst disaster to hit Japan since uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, he's not fooling. And uh, this is going to have a ripple effect on the global economy, uh, never mind the uh, just complete disaster that's 
currently in Japan as we know, uh, as we speak, and will continue now for weeks on end. You know, one thing that's not getting mentioned much, uh, and in the era of political austerity and budget cuts here at home, what saved a lot of lives uh, from the earthquake and its effects in Japan were the very high and rigorous government-imposed standards yeah. on architecture, construction, materials, and uh, safe and regular maintenance of same, lots of education and training in the schools to deal with the emergency situation. So although the loss of life is great, it could have been much worse. Uh, this is what the function of government really is. Yeah, and we've seen over the last uh, 20 or 30 years that the, most of the devastating earthquakes uh, that have occurred around the globe have, in terms of the death total have been the result of stone construction that, of course, wobbles, crumbles, and then basically the weight of the collapsed building is what kills you. It doesn't seem that Japan has an incredible number of collapsed buildings, but they certainly have buildings that have been swept away by the tsunami. And it's the power of the water that's uh, remarkable here and of course this is a sort there's of really not much that can be done about that nothing this can be a, done about it in fact it's interesting that two of the villages uh, had built seawalls um, at a cost of 1.5 billion dollars and they did nothing because uh, this uh, earthquake was so uh, huge and complicated I, I don't really want to get into the precise details of the complications of the earthquake, but this is a multiple sort of compound disaster. We've got water problems. We've got power grid problems. We've got nuclear power plants that are exploding because of hydrogen. We've got food. We've got uh, economic uh, situations. We've got infrastructure, transportation situations that make uh, rescue and search and rescue and this sort of thing all... Uh, is impaired as a result power outages there's going to be rolling uh, blackouts uh, rolling blackouts uh these three power these three nuclear power plants in japan interestingly according to the wall street journal and of course we like to cite multiple sources down here on uh, gray matters we don't uh, make things up we rely on published reliable sources to provide factual information uh, that is uh, consistent with what our opinions are, which, of course, are generally about nonviolence and sa sanity, rationality. And good old democracy. Good old democracy. <laughs> yeah, we oppose monarchy and we oppose plutocracy and corporate greed, fraud, and uh, the shenanigans that they're involved in. And let's use the word shenanigan quite a bit. It's St. Patty's Day is coming it's up. It's got that... Uh playful feel, uh, the sort of uh, nervous feeling that you know you've been had. And of course, uh, we do uh, want to invite you to phone up the radio station today at 763-3500. And if you have not yet done so, pledge your ongoing support to Student Community Radio here at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And interestingly, um, speaking of the nuclear issue, uh, the Wall Street Journal from the weekend edition I'll just quote it, a uh, paragraph here. Nuclear problems are particularly troubling in Japan, which has 56 nuclear reactors, providing about 20% of the nation's electricity. Eleven reactors shut down as a result of the earthquake, uh, as well as dozens of conventional fossil-fueled or uh, hydroelectric plants, leaving millions of people without electricity. Three of the six reactors at the plant operated by Fukushima 
Daiichi were operating when the earthquake earthquake struck. And this, of course, is where these nuclear power plants are. Those numbers are interesting because they're almost a direct mirror of the United States. The United States, I think, has 104 nuclear power plants that are currently operating, and nuclear power does provide about 20% of the electricity. So if you take 11 nuclear power plants down in Japan, that's a loss of 10% of your total power uh, output that's uh, used for electricity. And, of course, in the modern civilization that we live in, we take electricity for granted so often. You know, here in Michigan, we'll have power outages uh, when snow brings down tree branches Mm -hmm. that bring down wires or maybe a thunder shower will cause some sort of damage to uh, electrical wiring. And it's sort of sporadic. It's random and two, like an earthquake. So uh, keep all of these things in mind when uh, can analyzing the, the this continuing disaster because the, there was a there was another explosion just today at one of the nuclear facilities by Fukushima uh, Daiichi I guess that's the correct uh, corporate uh, entity that owns the nuclear power there hydrogen it's the meltdown problem and you know you got to listen to some of the nuclear physicist experts the scientists can give you an idea of what's really going on don't listen to pundits they might not know anything and sometimes we need to admit that we don't know as much as we'd like to know but uh, these of course are learning experiences danny <laughs> every experience is a learning experience that's right even lsd well, we don't advocate LSD down here on Gray Matters, but we do advocate that you pledge here at WCBN 763-3500, area code 734-763-3500. Yes, operators are standing by, new t-shirts, new mugs, and uh, friendly folks to chat with on the phone. Uh, well, one of the things we like to do, of course, here on the program is give out brain damage awards, and there's usually no shortage of uh, recipients. Uh, this week, I feel that uh, we need to uh, consider this new committee. Of course, the uh, House committees have uh, gotten up to shenanigans from time to time, and Pete King, a Long Island Republican... Don't call me a log cabin Republican, uh, who serves as the chair of a committee to investigate radicalization in the American Muslim community. And apparently on the very first day of the hearings, uh, the U.S.'s first Muslim American to serve in the House, Keith Ellison, a Democrat from Minnesota, uh, left in tears after speaking briefly about how misguided this narrow approach to a concentration on extremism is. And uh, it's worth noting, and thus uh, the receipt of Brain Damage Award, that uh, Mr. King uh, was a staunch supporter of the IRA in the 1980s when it was uh, carrying out terrorist attacks on civilians. Oh, shucks and bagara, that don't count as extremist terrorism don't you know because irish folks happen to be white and pray to jesus at least on paper anyway so how uh, one can 
so pompously uh, denounce an entire ethnic group, a cultural group, uh, as being suspect of terror activity. We don't investigate Christian crimes or Jewish crimes. Uh-huh. Suddenly, Muslim uh, potential crimes are uh, a, a category. Um, but this is absurd, of course, on its face. And part of the reason this entire committee is absurd is that one of its prime uh, reasons for existing is a fellow named Marvin Bledsoe, the father of Carlos Bledsoe, who later converted to Islam and changed his name to Abdul Hakim Mujahid Muhammad. Carlos uh, Melvin Bledsoe, father of uh, Carlos, now Abdul, told the committee how he had been manipulated by Islamic extremists. Quote, American people are sitting around and doing nothing about Islamic extremism, said Mr. Bledsoe. So apparently a House committee needs to be called so that Mr. Bledsoe's child can be retroactively parented by a committee. Mm -hmm. Because Mr. Bledsoe did such a wonderful job raising his son that the son had no respect for him when he perhaps might have stepped in and said, gee, son, are you sure this is really what you're interested in? This sounds kind of crazy. But no, I want the government to parent my child and uh, to investigate these people. Yeah, and Peter... Utterly ridiculous. Peter King is always one of the first people in the in the Congress to come out uh, whenever there's an event and uh, try and tarnish the Obama administration. He said very little, interestingly, during the Bush administration about these sorts of things. Um, the evidence of this problem uh, is virtually non-existent. Ironically, a bunch of military personnel was reprimanded just last week because of their dereliction of duty, uh, to put it in military terms, regarding the major Hassan attack uh, that should have, you know, there were warning signals galore. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, unable to connect the dots, which uh, continues to be a problem uh, here in the United States in all sorts of areas. And uh, when we look at the situation in Japan compared to, you know, what are we debating? Right. Well, we want to cut back on teachers. We're talking about uh, uh, cutting back. uh, You know, it's interesting. um, An expert... uh, Dr. Redliner, the author of Americans at Risk, about why the United States is not prepared for mega-disasters and what we uh, need to do, said the biggest problem is a failure to go so far as even Japan has to protect its citizens from natural disasters. Quote, we seem to not have the ability or the willingness to do that right now, he said, at a time when states are facing $175 billion in deficits and federal, the federal government is trying to deal with very compelling issues of long-term debt and deficits, the likelihood of our being able to mobilize the resources to significantly improve disaster readiness is limited, quote, unquote. Well, indeed, of course, we have to uh, provide uh, lucrative tax giveaways to corporations, and we have to continue to pour money down the endless sinkhole that is Afghanistan and Iraq. These are our priorities. And and the, and the Pentagon budget, which we'll talk about in a second, because we attack the Pentagon budget down here uh, ceaselessly and repeatedly and for good reason uh last week there was a big brouhaha about national public radio which i don't want to get into that at the moment we can talk about that in a future show that's kind of minor but it's fascinating that npr is being inflated into this big target you know big bird uh, is on the chopping block (laughs) 
Um, maybe Obama can pardon him for Thanksgiving next year. <laughs> but the, yeah, they go after Big Bird, public television. There's an argument that they're liberal, quote-unquote, and this is all we've been exposed to, sort of uh, the false equivalency nonsense issue that the right wing is so blind about. But we're talking about the, you know, the NPR budget of several tens of millions of dollars, and we're talking about a Pentagon budget. Just in yesterday's New York Times, it's interesting, they have a, a chart of the Pentagon's biggest boondoggles, and on the list, of course, includes Star Wars, uh, in which the United States has already spent $135 billion, and estimated completion date is unknown because the technology does not work. Uh, One of Reagan's great visions. Yes, and it's amazing how many of these were, occurred during the Bush administration, according to the chart. Uh, we have the Ford Superclass Supercarrier, $120 billion. Uh, $5 billion has been spent in uh, development costs. And, of course, it focuses on the... Uh, you know, the cost overruns involved. Uh, another great one is the Future Combat System, um, initiated in 20, 2003, obviously in uh, relationship to the invasion of Iraq, and is built by all sorts of uh, contractors around the country. Most were canceled. Um, the estimated spending uh, for the program was $92 billion. It grew to... $340 billion by 2009. Uh, estimated completion date unknown. Uh, the chart says indeterminate as many elements were ended in 2009. And the debate has arisen about the Army's uh, modernization programs. The Pentagon has not passed an audit in 30 years. And yet what are we hearing the Republicans in Congress screaming about? NPR. Which, I mean, this is chump change. You know, it's, it, it once again gets back to what is, what is a billion versus what is 50 million. And these are two different numbers. 50, uh, 50 million, by the way, is 20. One-twentieth of one billion, let alone 340 billion. And, of course, who are the beneficiaries of uh, and all this wasteful spending that was racking up uh, $5 trillion of debt while the Republicans were running the government? They were in control of Congress, the presidency. Not a word about the deficits and our future children, you know. Nope, instead we've got to focus on cutting teachers, laying them off. Got to tax the elderly, too. Uh, pensions look awful juicy when you uh, are blind to uh, this kind of spend, uh, spending. Misplaced spending, misplaced priorities, unimaginative thinking. These are problems here in the United States of America. But where you have imaginative thinking and profound thinking going on is right down here at Gray Matters and on WCBN. Pledge now. 734-763-3500. Yeah, the radio seems free, but of course uh, everything has a cost and... Uh Think about all that you gain from WCBN, uh, news and information, entertainment galore, and uh, you just really do have to sort of resubscribe your ears. And let's remember that the NPR uh, controversy was initiated by the, uh, the, the the fellow that was the pimp guy. The uh, I, I don't even remember his name at the moment. Oh, the sting operation on the Acorn Group. Yeah, yeah. The, the lanky guy, the... Uh, 
the guy that was actually briefly arrested in New Orleans for federal crimes involving fraud. Um, it's this kind of, these kinds of shenanigans. There's that word again. That um, lead to the outrage. Well, we don't know if the tapes were doctored, but don't be surprised if it turns out they were. It's very easy to do that these days with digital technology. And, of course, you can always find a um, a mark, as they say in, in the, in the uh, flim-flam business, you know, a, a, a guy that you can make. Just You just got to find the right guy. Okay, this guy's a vice president for something in some department on NPR, and we'll, we'll scam him. Kind of verbally entrap him in something. And, of course, he may have those views, and maybe those views are legitimate. But, once again, it's... Uh, it's, it's it hardly seems controversial to call the uh, Tea Party xenophobic. <laughs> I, you went beyond that, of course. James O'Keefe, that's his name. Okay. An Irishman. No wonder the shenanigans are so relentless. Yes. Oh, well, speaking of relentless, we'd like to hear those telephones ring down the hall there. Uh, Very few opportunities for radio listeners to even have access to locally produced public affairs programming, which, of course, we are duty-bound to do here at WCBN, a number of quality programs you can hear throughout the week, and, of course, free speech radio news. But speaking of marks and dupes, I wanted to uh, read this a while ago, but this fits in well with a fundraiser program. Because it involves uh, the rapid appearance, accumulation, and then disappearance of cash. And one of the great con artists of our era, of course, Bernie Madoff. Oh, yes. uh, Whose name could uh, have been made up by a Jonathan Swift because he's the guy who made off with the money. Made off with the money. It's just (laughs) just so perfect. It's amazing. it, 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 It seems almost an invented name. It's almost like... Ripoff. Gee, why aren't you called Jack the Ripoff? Right, or Buck Turgidson. Yes. <laughs> One of our favorite movies, of course, here on Grey Matters. But uh, quickly, a few excerpts, juicy tidbits, if you will, from a recent interview with uh, Bernie Madoff, of course, in prison <clears throat> for some 150 years short of what everybody would like to see him serve. Um, but he's uh, been interviewed by a New York publication. And uh, some excerpts here are pretty remarkable and uh, make you realize that you have a responsibility to support the uh, outlooks and uh, access to media that you enjoy here as a listener uh, to WCBN. <clears throat> Bernie Madoff uh, has claimed that his Ponzi scheme, which left investors short of $65 billion when it collapsed in 2008, started off as a legitimate business. He claims that he began defrauding investors in the early 90s when a period of low market volatility made it hard for his strategy to work. Quote, I allowed myself to be talked into something, and that's my fault. I thought I could extricate myself after a short period of time, but I just couldn't, he said. Well, he claims responsibility for his bad choice. But, of course, uh, ah, the spirit was... Willing, but the flesh was weak. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I can't make big money during this era of uh, low market volatility. I know. I'll start ripping people off. Right. That's that's the choice. I can't take advantage of gyrations in the stock market. I've right. Got, I'll just create the gyrations myself. <laughs> of course. Why not? Uh, despite his claims here, a team of lawyers have said they find no evidence of legitimate trading by Burnoff's firm dating back to the 70s. 
Uh, he also, Bert Madoff, blamed institutional clients for failing to ask the right questions and regulators for failing to spot the fraud. And there's, here's the, the kicker, the real kicker. A quote from Bernie Madoff. Look, none of my clients, even if they lost every penny they put in there, can plead poverty. Look, it doesn't mean I'm excusing what I did. It doesn't mean I don't feel sorry for them. I'm embarrassed. It was the people that came in very late in the game that got hurt. All of my friends, most of my individual clients are not net losers. Oh, well, what a relief. He didn't bilk his friends, but they were in the game. They could have stood to be bilked, certainly. And one wonders if their financial holdings should be seen as guilty by association. How much did they benefit from this Ponzi scheme, et cetera, et cetera? Well, uh, the, the interview sort of ends in this prison conversation where uh, Bernie Madoff appears to wallow in self-pity and trails off at the end and talks about a meeting with his therapist. Um, apparently his wife stopped speaking with uh, him after their son committed suicide in December. Mm -hmm. And while there's nothing funny about that, uh, clearly the son uh, could not deal with the embarrassment that Bernie can so comfortably deal with in prison. Um, here's the quote from his therapist. She said to me, you're absolutely not a sociopath. You have morals. You have remorse. I am a good person, he said. Hmm. Well, I think we'll all sleep a lot better tonight knowing that. That he believes it. That he believes it, right. And, of course, the kind of money that he dealt with, the kind of operation he was running, involves numbers that probably most WCBN listeners will never earn or even contemplate earning. We're perhaps happier with less. Uh, it is contented to be content as the Dao De Chang notes, and there are many different ways of measuring one's material success, uh, comfort, happiness. Mm -hmm. These are truer measures. Uh, but participating in the project that is WCBN is also a great measure of happiness and accomplishment. And you don't need to invest billions of dollars. We just need uh, a 20, 35 bucks, get yourself a T-shirt, uh, it won't take lots and lots of money to allow this radio station and its programming to continue uh, just a little bit. And just that's all we're looking for. Yep. 734-763-3500. Pledge now and show your support for WCBN like you always should. And, of course, uh, yeah, I, I was thinking of the, the wife not speaking to him. Man, she should have just used the shillelagh. <laughs> That's what the man needs, <laughs> up and about the head and the shoulders. <laughs> and I, by the way, I'm I'm half genetically Irish, so I'm I uh, love the Irish, and I think the Irish actually, ironically, are like um, <clears throat> Unitarians and Jews. They can actually uh, joke about themselves with uh, no uh, guilt, remorse, or shame. Indeed, which are things that Bernie Madoff <laughs> needs to work on uh, immediately. If not sooner, but uh, yeah, he may get a shillelagh on the side of the head there. In the... Henry Kissinger called. Oh, <laughs> Henry Kissinger called. Yes, we've just received a phone call from Henry Kissinger, who says that the uh, O'Keefe tapes were made because the guy's uh, pantyhose were too tight. Oh, I see. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Kissinger. <laughs> Always in the know whenever panties are tight. And I'm sure he'll be consulted for uh, 
The situation in Japan, he's uh, always got advice. Well, he's uh, been heavily involved with uh, international corporate concerns for decades now. And <clears throat> although his travel is restricted, he can't go to countries that have extradition treaties with France. Not a lot of people remember that about Henry Kissinger, but it's true. Yeah. And <clears throat> interestingly, France is... Uh, thus far, been maybe the most aggressive of all the uh, major powers regarding military action against Libya that may or may not happen. Yeah, that's true. Very interesting to see over the. It's surprising we, too that Gaddafi has sort of uh, solidified his position uh, yeah. as the oil revenue continues to flow in. Thank you, Silvio Berlusconi. Well, that and and but on the other hand, what was fascinating is the Arab League actually rever reversed themselves and now have given a quote green light to the uh, no fly zone concept, mm. which now, of course, the American media is uh, throwing out opinion polls showing that the American people support this, but not ground action. Well, how do you get rid of uh, Gaddafi without ground action? And of course, if you were listening to the show several weeks ago, right as the Libya. Uh, disaster, so to speak, the man-made disaster was unfolding. I said it's a civil war. People are right. still reluctant to s use this word. I don't know why, but that's what's going on here. And unlike uh, Egypt, uh, Gaddafi is firing back and is not fleeing to uh, Bahrain, Qatar, or Saudi Arabia for refuge for his billions. Now, he's a megalomaniac that's Firmly in control of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, he'll he'll go down with the ship. He will. I can't There's wait. There's really for no the, place for Gaddafi to go for the invasion and Mandrake. <laughs> feed, feed me Mandrake. <laughs> the redcoats are coming. <laughs> you said feed me, Jack, and I was feeding you there on the floor. And the Japanese—they make such bloody damn good cameras. Uh, courtesy of Dr. Strangelove. Uh, Corbin, sure, they all, every man, Jack of them died thinking of you, Jack. <laughs> Dr. Strangelove, a movie that we love. Uh, <clears throat> reintroducing to you, the listener, uh, one of the great dark comedies of all time. Uh, and I'm going to quickly give Pauline Kale a brand damage award. <laughs> In her review, she said, there's nothing funny about Dr. Isn't that Strange remarkable? She, I think, had a personal vendetta against Stanley Kubrick. She didn't really like any of uh, his films. Yeah. I've read all of her reviews of his films, and that one takes the cake. How you can watch that movie and not find it funny yeah. is uh, a dead nerve, indeed. Here well, on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, uh, we know what's funny. And Mandrake and Dean may be at Gaddafi's side when things happen because Gaddafi has quite a bit of money invested in Great Britain. No surprise there. Um, and the man does like Western entertainment. It's interesting that a number of you know big-time yeah. entertainers have recently given monies received for payment of such performances to charitable organizations before their names are tainted by association. And speaking of entertainers, one of our all-time Grey Matters favorites, this courtesy of the 10th of February, 1999. Jerry Falwell uh, told a uh, Virginia newspaper over the weekend that Tinky Winky is gay. <laughs> um, absurd, the creator of the Teletubbies says. Um, so it's quite interesting. Uh, Jerry Falwell, under a headline that reads... Parents alert, Tinky Winky comes out of the closet. An article in uh, this month's National Liberty Journal 
notes that Tinky Winky has a voice of a boy and yet carries a purse. <laughs> but, so by this logic... Oh, and, and Tinky Winky had a triangle on his head, too. I yeah, think, uh, and the purple suit and right. blah, blah, blah. This is Jerry Falwell, um, head of the uh, moral majority at one time, which was neither...